The following audio was originally recorded live and broadcast to the facilities of Trent Radio on January 21st, 2020. I'm Justin Evangelo. This is Disenabled, the show where we enable with people with, screwed up that intro, didn't I? People with physical disabilities. So happy to be behind the mic as always, as I always say every week. Um, today, I've got a recurring guest, Kayla Gaspar, who I've mentioned almost every single episode of this show. She seems to come up in all aspects of conversation. Um, you may remember her from a uh, an interview I did when this show was first starting uh i think i she was my first official interview so kayla so happy to have you on today thank you (laughs) um it's great to have you in studio so much better audio quality and uh, a a little bit more time because the first interview i did with you was about just a a 10 minute segment and now we've got the latter part of 25 minutes to to chop it up so uh for a reminder for anybody just refresh our memories what is your physical disability um, it's hard to kind of pinpoint what exactly my disability is, but as an infant, I got sick with meningococcemia, which is a form of meningitis, and it just kind of stopped my growth. So I'm a lot shorter than the average person, and yeah. <laughs> um, can you tell the audience maybe a little bit more about yourself personally, too, because that'll segue beautifully into the discussion today. What, who is Kayla Gaspar? What do you do? What do you study? Just a few keen aspects that people may not expect from someone, sadly, who has a physical disability. <laughs> okay, well, I'm a first-year uh, sociology major at Trent University. Um, I'd say I'm a pretty shy person. Until I'm comfortable, then I'd say I'm pretty cool. <laughs> well. Yeah. <laughs> yes, self-confidence is always key. <laughs> Well, you answered one of my questions already, so kudos. Um, (laughs) So let's talk about some social relationships, um, both friendships, uh, intimate relationships. uh, If I cross a boundary, don't hesitate to call me out on air. It's all in good fun here at Trent Radio. Um, Has having a height impairment affected the way people approached you in a social setting, would you say, as a general rule? Um, Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I think it just makes people kind of hesitant to approach me. Um, Obviously, like it's really like my disability is really evidence obvious, like you can see it by looking at me. So I think that sometimes stops people from making that first, you know, contact. Um, But I'd say it also affects me too, because I'm not really putting myself out there much. So I can't really blame them because I don't really seem like a very approachable person because, yeah. So do you think, because this is an interesting point, it's, to me, it seems like a a chicken and egg situation. Maybe you can clear this up or or agree or disagree. Would you consider yourself more introverted or extroverted? Um, I would definitely say that I'm a more introverted person. Um, I keep to myself the majority of the time, like my circle of friends is very small Um, 
And I'd like to think that has something to do with just who I am as a person. But, I mean, your personal experiences obviously have a great impact on who you are. So I'm sure it's a little bit of both. <laughs> well, yeah, the reason I, I mean, you're obviously seeing where I'm going with this. The reason I ask is because it's sort of like a chicken or egg. Which influences which more? Does a disability sort of create this vicious cycle where you become more introverted because people treat you differently? Or does your introversion sort of make the disability sadly more obvious? Um, and yeah. and just add to that sort of vicious cycle where it's it's pointed out because you're not talking to people. So what else are they going to do but look at you type yeah, of thing, exactly. right? <laughs> Um, all right. Do you think your physical disability plays a role in, in determining uh, not just who, who may be interested, either friend-wise or, um, or relationship-wise, but also in who you talk to? Um, yeah, I'd say so. I think that I tend to talk to people who are also more shy themselves because, I don't know, it's kind of intimidating sometimes to kind of interact with people that are very loud because it's so opposite from myself. I'm very shy, I'm very quiet, so I try to kind of attract that same energy, but sometimes that's not always the case. <laughs> from a physical standpoint, what sort of obvious things, besides, as you mentioned, in October taking pictures or whatever and yeah. pointing and laughing, that, that, that re revolves more around strangers. When you're talking to somebody, usually, can you tell if they're being, let's say, fake and, and they're, you know, liking you or taking a liking to you? Can you tell ver they're faking versus they're actually genuinely interested? <laughs> yeah. or, or are you always on edge because you just expect people to, first of all, notice your disability and then pretend to like you out of, say, an emotion like uh, pity, per, per se? Um, I think most of my encounters that I have on a daily basis feel very, like, forced. Um, it's kind of hard to explain it to someone who, like, doesn't have an evident physical disability. But you can just sense when someone is being genuine or if they're talking to you out of sympathy. Um, just, with, like, facial expression and tone, like, it's really obvious. Um, it's kind of like um, if you're talking with your friends and then your teacher walks into the room like it kind of goes silent and it gets awkward and you feel like you can't say certain things. It's kind of like that. Like you can just tell, like they think you're maybe underdeveloped or they have to be careful with what they say around you. But yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. So, so it's more of a feeling than anything. It's like hard to explain. Um, I think for anybody, um, it, but your, yourself especially, because even with the added advantage, of being able to see whereas I can't or being able mm -hmm. to hear whereas s someone else can't um, that's that's both an advantage and disadvantage because optimistically you want to think that everybody's talking to you because they want to because you're <laughs> so awesome right <laughs> yeah uh, but in reality that's that's not the case now in a situation where you know someone's not being genuine will you just stick it out until they they leave or what what do you usually do in those situations um, I think the easiest thing to do is to just let it go through, like let it run through and then leave afterwards. Like I would never kind of like shut someone up. I feel like, <laughs> never, like I wouldn't leave, but um, I definitely be less involved in the conversation because it, it honestly just makes me uncomfortable more than anything. Like it's like an obvious like border or something. Like it's just a weird thing like that you feel. 
and it just kind of affects the way that I communicate and my desire to communicate, really. So in, in building on that, then, does knowing that and, and knowing where people who are genuine or ingenuine may hang out, does that influence the social settings you occupy when you don't become reclusive and you don't let your introversion get the better of you? Do you hang out in certain spots because you think to yourself, either consciously or unconsciously, hey, more genuine people are, are actually going to accept me for me? Or is it just uh, let's go somewhere and hope people like me? <laughs> yeah, um, I think it kind of makes me isolate myself a bit. Like sometimes like if you get one bad experience, I'll just kind of want to be by myself for probably too long of a time. Like I just want to <laughs> kind of stay to myself, but... I'll often go to places where I'm comfortable, places that I go often. Um, and honestly, if I'm feeling kind of anxious in that way, I won't go out at all. <laughs> but um, just even with the people that you surround yourself with, if if I'm feeling that way, like I'll just be with my friends or people that I'm comfortable with so I don't have to worry about kind of being judged. So I'd say just places that I feel more comfortable, like my residence common room or like the cafeteria downstairs just places that i'm there like often so it doesn't feel weird right so it's not only i mean it's it's obviously understandable for anybody who i mean introverted or not to go to sorry to be scared to go to places they're not uh familiar with right that's just you know some people like to meet new people but the setting can sometimes be a little frightening so in, in saying that you stick to the, the areas that are most well, common to you um, to socialize, in the event that you have to go somewhere, let's say a friend invites you out to a party or something like that, where there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of people you don't know specifically, and it, it's going to be a new social environment where there's a possibility to make a friend or two or what have you. Do you go in with any sort of predetermined game plan or do you just <laughs> wing it most of the time? Um, I think winging it would be a good way to, to to describe what I do. Like I don't really have a plan, but I think as anyone would, I try to make connections and communicate with people in a way that kind of makes us seem the same. Um, and also I'll sometimes bring attention to my disability. That kind of helps because I feel like it's always that like elephant in the room it's always a thing that people are thinking but they don't say anything about it so i'm just like okay guys it's okay i'm sure like we know this it's not like some secret <laughs> so uh, i want to phrase this question in a positive light because when i wrote it down i uh <laughs> it, it sounds so negative when i say have you resigned yourself to the fact of differential treatment i mean that in a good way because you literally just took a bad situation and flipped it on its head and addressed the elephant in the room and sometimes that can be a great conversation starter because the, they literally do what i'm doing right now and asking you about it yeah. in a social setting so have you fully can you honestly and truly say that you fully embraced your disability to the point where you can confidently go into unfamiliar social settings, embrace it, and sometimes use it as something that can spark people's interests to make socialization a little less awkward with fully bodied people you don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm 
at that level yet. I mean, sometimes, like, depending on my mood, I'll be able to make light of it more like more than other times. But um, I think it's something you always have to work toward because it's a scary thing putting yourself out there, especially when you have a disability, because I feel like you're subjected to more judgment than the average Joe just automatically. So it's kind of freaky to put yourself out there, but it's something that I'm working on and something that I have to continue to try and better myself at because it's really helpful in social situations not to be so quiet and lack self-confidence. <laughs> Do people at times mistake, like, let's just say you got a genuine person who you've, you've addressed your disability or they know of it. Can your timidness be misconstrued sometimes it's like uh, as as something hostile instead of something fearful like oh look at that b star 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 tch over there <laughs> um try not to swear on on air um can, can, is, has that been misconstrued in the past where you're in a, a social setting where there's a lot of people you don't know um i think so i think that um how quiet i am and like how introverted I am can sometimes make me seem, again, unapproachable and kind of hard to talk to. Because like if you're not putting yourself out there, you can't really expect other people to do that too. Like, you know, you can't just rely on other people all the time. So I think, yeah, it definitely does um, affect how people view me too. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel, I mean, this is, this may be an obvious question, but it might not be. Has there ever been a situation where you've encountered someone with a physical disability and not clicked with them? And what I mean by that, because there's a, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a strong argument for, oh, they must be, if the person has a physical disability, they must be super relatable to another person with a physical disability, no matter how different they are. Have you ever had a situation where you just couldn't relate? You didn't, you know, have a, a good conversation with somebody who had a physical disability and, and you sort of lived the exception to the rule? Yeah, for sure. I think that's really common because we're all different people. Like just because we all have a physical disability doesn't mean we're all going to think the same and like relate. Um, I think obviously there's going to be some similarities when it comes to talking about like societal uh, aspects, but um, yeah, everyone has a different personality and you work well with different people. And I think that the disability aspect isn't going to make you click every time like there has to be kind of a connection before you can like be friends with someone like you can't rely on the disability alone right and that's a lot of the what the argument is based upon when someone brings it up it's like oh the fact of being disabled is what obviously they have in common and for you and i because uh you're a good friend of mine uh we, we share some common interests and get on each other a little bit and, and <laughs> you know, playfully bully each other about the disability. <laughs> but I don't think that's what the, at least the only thing that, that keeps us no. uh, friends, at least I hope not. I don't know about <laughs> you, but uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't like to speak for other people, which is another big problem uh, that I've addressed before as well. My next question then, what, if you can name anything specific, what exactly do you do to just not be to to not be so reclusive that you just go into a shell all the time 
is there anything you tell yourself, anything, any sort of uh, coping strategies or, I guess, therapeutic devices <laughs> for <laughs> some technical jargon, so we sound smart, that you utilize as a means of when you've had a, a little bit of a bad experience or you're having a bad day and you take one down and you sing a sad song, just turn it around. <laughs> um, do you do anything or say anything to yourself to to get you back up and uh and, and keep moving on um i think that when i have these bad experiences i have to take a minute to kind of be by myself and like reflect on it because often it just upsets me so i'll need a couple minutes or like a day to kind of collect myself but i just have to remember that i am different and i can't change that and no matter what i do um, people are going to treat me different and people are going to stink sometimes. And you just have to remember that and remember that you just got to get through it because there's nothing you can do to change it. Like, why stress over something that you can't change? I mean, obviously we do anyway. Like, you can't <laughs> stop it. But it's important to remember that it, it honestly doesn't really matter what other people think. You just got to go with what you know and try to not let it affect you. <laughs> Is there any specific way? Because that's so easy to say. That's what yeah. you. See, that, that's what almost everybody who I've interviewed who has a physical disability <laughs> says. Yeah, I bet. And the motto is easier said than done. Mm -hmm. And it is because when you put it into practice, it is so hard sometimes. I'm um, I'm sure you can relate. So what what does that look like into uh, when put into physical action? Because you can and anybody can talk motivation and act confident and pull at people's heartstrings for days yeah <laughs> but what physical actions do you take in order to reinforce what you've just told everybody who may be listening um i think this probably sounds a little sad but i don't mean it to be i think if i'm having a bad or a bad day if i or if i had a bad experience i'll like put my headphones in and just when i'm walking somewhere i'll just stare at the ground in front of me because the thing is, if you don't look around you, you're not going to see the people staring at you. You're not going to see the people, like, taking pictures. So if I need to, I'll just ignore it, stare at the ground, and hope to not <laughs> have any bad experiences. Like, but I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, I'm not staring at the ground, like, in a bad way. It's just a way to kind of avoid those people because it's it's not always necessary to deal with it if you don't want to oh for sure you don't have to always be thinking i have to deal with this yeah. i have to deal with this and to that point i think that what works for you may not work for others no. some people may just want to get back out there who are extremely extroverted and uh, go to a party or, or socialize and chop it up so there's no one size fits all when it comes to like, like anything else coping with any sort of negative emotion uh, or such as being outcasted where everybody's got their own thing but uh, it's interesting to hear what you do because <laughs> it's a it's a unique perspective yeah. honestly do you have any sort of last remarks i think you summed it up pretty well but i always ask my guests any last remarks on the subject that you would love to leave a lasting impression with because we just may never know if you make another appearance on the show <laughs> I'd maybe just say to able-bodied listeners, like, uh, treat people with disabilities the same way you treat anyone else, because we're honestly just people that are put into bodies that look a little different and work a little differently. So, like, we just want acceptance and friendship and love. Like, we want everything else that able-bodied people want. Like, we're no different in that way. 
So try not to treat us different. Like, it sounds kind of harsh, but I'd much rather you walk by me and not say a word than to stare at me for way too long and then, like, give me a sympathy smile afterwards. (laughs) Like, I'd rather you just treat me like everyone else than to bring attention, like, negative attention. (laughs) Well, there you go. Social relationships, um, a little bit of intimate relationships. I didn't want to delve too deep into that, but (laughs) um, all kinds of good tidbits and some repeats from October's interview. Kayla Gaspar, everybody, thank you so much for taking a few minutes out of your day. You've got a class to catch, and uh, I've got a radio show to download now. Can't wait to re-listen to this, edit it, and uh, do whatever I want with it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Something a little bit different in this one to break up all of the blind theme content that's been flooding the podcast and dominating it since the beginning of 2022. So I hope you did enjoy. If you did, share this episode around, get it some exposure. If you would like to send me feedback, comments, criticisms, if you yourself have a disability and want to talk to me about getting on the podcast, happy to chat. You can reach me at disenabled.podcast at gmail.com. You can find that email linked in the episode show notes. If you enjoy the podcast as a whole, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review it. Other than that, obviously big thanks to Kayla for providing her time. Not too bad for her first time behind a live mic. And I'm having so much fun going through these Trent Radio Archive shows and polishing them up just a bit before releasing them. Some of these conversations were a lot of fun to have, and it's hard to believe how much time has passed since they aired live, and there's nothing like live radio. With all that said, at the cost of trying not to go on a rambling tangent to end the episode, thank you so much for listening as always, and until next time, cheers. Cheers.